This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about real-world leadership solutions. Whether you're a seasoned leader or just starting out, I promise to give you practical leadership tips that you can use this week. No matter what your leadership situation is, I can help. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. My passion is to help leaders lead more effectively. Welcome to today's show. You're listening to episode number six, how to handle criticism and opposition when it comes. And believe me, it will come. Here's what I want to cover in today's podcast, why we get criticized, the source of a lot of criticism, the manner in which we are criticized, the best way to respond to criticism, and then I'm going to finish up by giving you a list, a great list of 10 ways to diffuse a personal attack. So if you've never been criticized, you don't need to listen to this broadcast. But I'm telling you, if you are in the game of leadership, you will be criticized because leaders make things happen and people try to stop us. You know, I think leaders are at the point of the spear. You know, we we lead the charge. We're out front. And just like uh, anybody else that's out front, you're going to take the most bullets, the most criticism. Abraham Lincoln had the right idea when it came to criticism. He ignored it. He said this, if I were to read, much less answer all the attacks made on me, this shop might as well be closed for any other business. I do the very best I know how, the very best I can, and I mean to keep doing so until the end. If the end brings me out all right, what is said against me won't amount to anything. If the end brings me out all wrong, 10,000 angels swearing I was right would make no difference. I like that. I also heard years ago Billy Graham said that if he answered all of his critics, he would have spent most of his career just answering critics. And he sort of took the same approach that Abraham Lincoln did. Well, I don't know about you, but I have been pounded by criticism uh, in my career from time to time. It's never pleasant. It always hurts. And you never know when it's going to come. The crazy thing about criticism, it can come at a moment's notice. You know, you can just be flying on, having just the most wonderful week. Everything's going great. You're having a super day. And all of a sudden, a phone call, a personal visit, an email, a blog post, a text message, you name it, all of a sudden, zing, there it is. During World War II, the Germans waged serious warfare with what they called the U-boats, the black underwater vessels of destruction. Uh, U standed for Unterseeboot, undersea boat, literally. These U-boats wrecked havoc in the Atlantic as the Allied forces were attempting to close in on the Germans. And one of the things that was amazing about uh, these U-boats were the depth charges. When the Allied forces detected one of these underwater warriors, they began to pummel the U-boats with depth charges and torpedoes. And uh, sitting in that uh, U-boat for days on end, the, the sailors there would be shaken up like gravel in a cement mixer, pounded with explosives and rolling from side to side. Now, those depth charges were trying to destroy that U-boat, and criticism is like a depth charge. And you never know when it's going to explode. You never know when it's going to go off. And sometimes you can feel just like those sailors in those U-boats. You feel like you're being thrown around like gravel in a, in a cement mixture. I like that. You know, um, reasons for criticism. 
I'd like to just talk about some of the reasons why people criticize leaders. You know, many times selfish motives and pride fuel conflict and criticism. It can be jealousy. It can be unfulfilled expectations, and that is huge because people have expectations of you as the leader or you have expectations of your leaders. And man, when they do not fulfill the the expectations, it's easy for you to criticize them. And when you don't fulfill the expectations of your followers, it's so easy for them to criticize you. Misunderstandings, man, lack of good clear communication, uh, organizational crisis, a conflict in values where you as a leader just have a, a different value principle on a particular issue than somebody else. And you make a decision based on your values and your followers. Uh, some of them don't share those values. Sometimes failure, when the leader fails, they're criticized. Distrust, pride, and arrogance. There are so many reasons why uh, people can criticize their leaders. One thing that really freaks out followers is a big change program. In my years of leadership, I have led our organization and so much change because I was in a turnaround situation where I inherited an older organization. And when I became uh, the president, our organization was 50 years old. And it was kind of on a death spiral. It was definitely going downhill. And the board had asked me to come and bring about change. So my mandate was a mandate of change. Well, that's all well and good when the board tells the leader, we want you to bring about change. But how do the followers feel about that? Well, they probably don't feel the way the board feels. And sometimes change just flat out freaks out the followers. In my years of changing things, uh, so I took the organization over when it was 50 years old, and then I finished my tenure 20 years later when it was 70 years old. And I'm proud of a lot of the good things that happened, and we were able to turn things around. And, and here's uh, just some of the big stuff that I changed over the years, uh, the board, uh, you know, who the players were, how it was structured, the leadership team, who the players were, how it was structured. The oh Boy, the organizational structure, when you do a reorganization, that freaks out a lot of people. The culture, the corporate culture, uh, the building, we did a major building program, and, and that was something that I just thought uh, we had an old building when I became the, the leader of our ministry, and I thought, how could anybody uh, like that old building? It was ugly. It was built in 1958. It was a dog, and I had a vision to build a, a beautiful new facility, and we built it uh, without any debt. And yet I was so criticized uh, by some people for uh, for that change. You know what I learned through that? I learned that people get attached to brick and mortar. They really do get attached. I mean, they get attached to carpet and furnishings. They get attached to all kinds of things. But, uh, you know, eventually people realized it was a good thing that we had a new facility. One of the biggest uh, changes I led was uh, a location change from the Midwest to Colorado, a corporate uh, relocation, huge. And I received a lot of criticism for that uh, from a few people, but not the majority. You know, it's really sad when we let the small vocal minority 
paralyze and dictate the whole organization. I've seen this happen a lot in churches, especially where a small little group of uh, people can hold the entire congregation hostage. Be, and, and that's often because they, they might be some of the big givers or they're the power players that have been around the longest. You cannot, as the leader, allow a small little group to hold you hostage. And you're going to have to deal with that criticism uh, but not allow them to shut you down. Uh, so we did change the location. And, you know, most people realize with all these changes, you know, eventually there comes a time when people realize if you do it right and you do it well, that the, that it made sense. And then we did a major name change as well. Here's my list of the top 10 fears of change, why people really uh, resist change. You know, the, the I'm going to do a whole uh, couple of podcasts on how to bring about change and how to lead an organization through change, but let me just give you what I call the top 10 fears of change, and it's all wrapped around fear, because people uh, would rather be comfortable in the misery of what is known than to be uncomfortable with the unknown. It's like a comfortable pair of shoes, it's a comfortable chair you love to sit in at your house. Change is moving people from point A that they know that they're comfortable with to point B that they do not know and that they're not comfortable with. So here are the 10 fears of change, the fear of the unknown. Number two, the fear of loss or failure. Number three, insecurity. I may be worse off whenever these changes take place. Number four, power. I may lose some of my power and positioning in the organization after the changes. Number five, uncertainty and confusion, misunderstanding of the intent of change. Change agents, when you're a leader and you lead change, you have to be so clear about your rationale for change. Have you ever heard the saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it? A lot of times people resist your change because they don't realize something is broken. I found that in leadership, we have a different uh, perspective on the organization than the followers have. We have a different viewpoint, and oftentimes the followers are down on the ground, but we're up in this airplane flying over the horizon and seeing the whole landscape. So we, we see what's ahead. As, as leaders, we are paid for the future to anticipate the future and what's ahead, and we will propose changes based on that anticipation, but the folks on the ground do not see the future. And they can't anticipate what we're anticipating. And so we have to be clear and we have to explain why things are broken. And that's why we're trying to fix them. So that's number five, uncertainty and confusion and misunderstanding about the intent of change. Number six, inertia. One of the top reasons why people resist change is just inertia. The status quo is so strong and it's hard to overcome the initial inertia of bringing about dramatic change. Number seven, energy and pressure. It takes more work and it stresses me out just to think about uh, all this change. Uh, number eight, money. It costs money to change things. Boy, this is a huge thing. A lot of times people, I remember when we were building our new building, I got a letter from one of our people. Oh, and this lady, she was so sweet, but she was just uh, saying uh, how much, you know, our building was like $5 million and the land was a couple million. And, you know, I believe a facilities is an enormous asset to position you to do greater things if you have the right facility that works for you. But this particular person 
was working in Africa among the poor, and they said, do you realize how much we could do for with $5 million to help the poor? For them, it was a money thing, and sometimes people just resist you because of the money factor. Number nine, lack of trust. Our leaders messed up before, and so I don't trust them to uh, do good this time around. And if you have launched a major change initiative and it fell flat on its face and it didn't work, I guarantee you next time around you're going to have greater resistance than ever before. And finally, number 10, doubt. I'm just not sure this is the right direction to solve our problems. You know, I, I do agree it's broken, uh, but I'm not sure your solution is the right one. So that's uh, doubt number 10, the top 10 fears of change. Well, we're talking about criticism today, and leaders will be criticized. Robert Jarvik, the inventor of the artificial heart, observed that leaders are visionaries with a poorly developed sense of fear and no concept of the odds against them. As I like to say, you know, leaders uh, make things happen and people try to stop them. Once you assume a leadership position, you are often thrust upon followers and they have to get to know you. Some will like you and some won't. You'll have to start by earning their trust. Some will have an easy time following you, but there will always be the few who just don't like you. Sometimes it's just a matter of poor chemistry. The first job of a leader in a new leadership assignment is to gain people's trust. Now, leadership is not a popularity contest, and you're not going to get everybody to like you, but you need to get everybody to trust you, and then they will follow you. They will follow you to the ends of the earth if you can build their trust. Let's talk about the fine art of resisting leaders. We've talked about why people criticize us and why they resist our leadership. Now let me talk about how they do it. There are many creative ways for people to oppose and resist your leadership. It's not usually as open and confrontational as you might think. Sometimes the worst behavior that routinely undermines leadership is very quiet and very subtle and behind closed doors. Here's some ways that my leadership has been resisted over the years and I've been criticized. The point is a lot of times people are criticizing your leadership to each other. They're not criticizing to your face. I always felt in my leadership, man, I just wish you would tell me to my face. And I tried to have a policy where I was receptive to that. But you know, there's there are a lot of people that just don't have the courage to tell the leaders what they really think. You do need to create an environment where at least your top leaders that you work with can give you honest feedback, and you better be asking for it on a regular basis. You may not like it, but you better be asking for it. Here's some ways that people resist leaders. Passive-aggressive behavior, rebellion, subtle or outright, disrespect, blocking mechanisms, side chatter, and gossip. The meeting after the meeting. Boy, if you're having a lot of meetings after the meetings, then you've got a leadership problem. If you have a lot of trust in leadership, then there's not all that need for those meetings after the meetings. And you know what I'm talking about. Another way that people resist leaders is they spread rumors and gossip or uh, grumbling, subtle undermining. You know, I've had leaders, I'll sit in a meeting and I'll talk to one of my 
direct reports about an issue and they, oh, yes, yeah, I agree, I agree, and they walk out the door. They said yes, but they act no. They subtly undermine by acting exactly the opposite of what they said they're going to do. Character assassinations. And then the last thing on my list, paying no attention to leaders. Some people just don't pay attention to the leaders. Now, there are, uh, there are situations and contexts and, and places where you work where you can't get away with that. But if you work in, an, in a nonprofit or education or government or volunteering or church ministry, then a lot of times uh, people can get away with that because it's not a command and control structure. And a lot of times the followers that you have may not be people that uh, get paid, but they're volunteering. And they can just not pay attention to the leader. Oh, hey, everybody. Before I go on with the rest of the show, I wanted to mention a few things helpful to you and helpful to me. I hope you have found my show notes for this podcast at leadershipanswerman.com. I have the resources, web links, and some pictures of things I talk about in the show that I think you'd find very helpful. Secondly, if you love the show, boy, I could really use a plug as I'm just getting going in podcasting. If you go to leadershipanswerman.com slash love it, there's a tweet that's all prepared that you can shoot out to your Twitter followers uh, just to give them a link to the show and to create some buzz. Finally, it would be a huge favor to me if you could give me a good ratings in iTunes. It's another way for my show to reach more listeners. Thank you so much. Well, let's talk about how do we respond to criticism. How do you respond? I'd like to know, just if we were having a conversation right now, I'd ask you this question. Hey, uh, Susan, or hey, uh, Joe, what is your first response when you're criticized? Now, here's some of the normal responses that people have. Quit, or at least I want to quit. Run. I want to hide. I want to crawl under my covers. I get depressed, lash out in anger, rationalize it away, revenge, fight back, belittle, <laughs> shoot the messenger. Well, these are some of the ways that people respond. And maybe in my list that I just read, uh, you could relate to one of those uh, response mechanisms. You know, people respond differently to criticism. So let's move to uh, the final topic of the podcast today, and that is how to respond to criticism. What is the right thing to do? How will we best handle criticism when it comes? And please know it will come. If you're a seasoned leader, you already know that criticism comes. But if you're a brand new leader, you may uh, actually be living under the delusion that if you're a fabulous, fantastic leader, you won't be criticized. And that'll be what I call the trap of the popularity contest. You will be opposed, resisted, and misunderstood. And if you're naturally a people pleaser, you're in for a rough ride because leadership is not a popularity contest. And remember again what I said just a few moments ago, we cannot get everybody to like us, but we should be striving to get everybody to trust us. And people will trust us as we develop a track record of good leadership. So what's the right thing to do? How do you handle criticism well when it comes? Well, the first thing uh, that we need to do is we need to look 
for the truth that we can learn about our own leadership when criticism comes. I learned this lesson a number of years ago. I was involved in an organization, and after about eight years, um, I got this letter uh, from one of the leaders in the organization. It was a zinger. It was about, this was back in the days when people actually wrote letters. It was actually like an email. It was really long. And uh, it basically unpacked a litany of uh, criticism of my leadership and who I am. It, it was just an assassination of Hans Finzel. It was one of the most painful uh, messages that anybody had ever given me. It hurt. It hurt me bad. And uh, I didn't want to fight back. I, I didn't want revenge. I wanted to run and quit and hide. And I got depressed. And a great uh, leader who was coaching me at the time, uh, Dr. Bobby Clinton, who um, used to teach leadership out at Fuller, where I got my doctorate in leadership, he said, Hans, here's the thing. That person who wrote that letter might be 95% wrong in what they said. And that letter may be filled with untruths and things that are just wrong. This person just doesn't know you. But look for the 5%. Look for the 5% truth in that letter, and that is the lesson that you need to learn about yourself to become a better leader. And you know, there was more than 5% that was right and true. When I finally got over my initial gut-level reaction, I, uh, I, it was through that criticism that I uh, learned about some blind spots in my own leadership, things that I really needed to learn. And I was coming across, uh, for one thing, as, a, as an arrogant leader, a know-it-all leader, and I wasn't, um, I wasn't very humble <laughs> in my leadership. And I just kind of thought I was the source of all great truth and leadership and, and the answers, and, and I could do everything well, and, and pride. In fact, it crushed me and it needed to crush my pride. And I learned some great lessons in that about looking for that truth and being vulnerable, looking for those those things that are true about what people are saying when they criticize us. So again, it's not a popularity contest. You're not trying to get everybody to like you. But when you're criticized, probably one of the first things you need to do is to look for the kernel of truth. And if you have a trusted uh, advisor, a partner, a friend, a spouse, you know, one of the greatest things you can do is run it by that person and say, you know, what do you think? Where's the truth here? And, and what should I save? And what should I use? And how can I improve? And what should I throw away? So that's a great way to respond. I want to leave you with 10 ways to diffuse a personal attack. And I got this from a Dr. Ken Williams from Wycliffe. Dr. Ken Williams. So uh, I, I give a shout out to him. This is a list that I have used through the years. It's a great list. 10 ways to diffuse a personal attack. Number one, keep silent for starters. What a great piece of advice. First thing you want to do, you do not want to lash out. The first thing you want to do is keep silent. Number two, think before you react. What a great response. <laughs> think before you open your mouth. You know, think it through carefully. In fact, sleep on it if you can. Take some time to get some distance before you react. Number three, really listen. If it's possible that you can follow up the criticism, boy, this is a this takes a lot of maturity. But if you can go back to now, if you're just being hammered uh, by a blog attack or something like that, obviously you can't do these things. I'm speaking in the context of a leadership situation where you're working with a team of people. 
and somebody's criticizing you, if you can go back and listen to them and try to ask them the question, could you help me understand this because I, I don't get it. So let me ask you a few follow-up questions to just make sure I hear you. Now, I may not agree with you when I when I get the answers to those follow-up questions, but really listen. Number four, respond gently. You know, the Bible says a gentle answer turns away. What a great principle. Respond gently. Number five, agree with whatever is true in principle with the possibility of the truth. If there are some things in that criticism that are true, you can agree with those pieces of the criticism. You could say, well, you know, I agree with you on this and this and this. It's true I did this and you've got a point there, but blah, blah, blah. So don't agree with what you don't agree with, but there are things you probably can agree on. And that helps build a bridge. You see, you want to build a bridge between you and the criticizer, if at all possible. Number six, give caring feedback. And this is, this would be the case of, uh, when you're, when you're gently saying, you know, I don't agree with what you're saying and I want to try to help you understand my position. Number seven, ask for more clarification if you need it. Number eight, avoid quarreling. You know, the worst thing you can do is get into a shouting match or an argument, especially publicly. And if you're in a public meeting and somebody criticizes you publicly, what you need to tell that person is, you know, I really want to talk this through with you. I want to listen to your criticism some more. You know, I'm, I want to ask you some follow-up questions. And this public forum or this meeting is not the place for us to resolve the criticism that you have just leveled against me. So avoid quarreling. Number nine, offer to help the person. Sometimes the person just needs some help understanding who you are, what you stand for, what you're trying to do. And number 10, ask for forgiveness. If appropriate, ask for forgiveness. And in this case of this guy that wrote me this letter, you know, eventually I wrote him back. It was a months later. But I wrote him back and I said, uh, your letter was one of the most painful things that ever happened to me. And um, I think there's a lot of things you don't understand about me. But I do know that I've let you down in my leadership. And I'd like to ask your forgiveness for that. Ask forgiveness, if appropriate. That was number 10. These are all on my uh, listener notes on my podcast website at leadershipanswerman.com. If you didn't get that list, uh, you can get it there. Let me just say at the end of the show before I close, just about the issues of the heart. You know, sometimes when I was criticized and have been criticized in my leadership, it's because my leaders didn't understand my heart. And, and I'm an introvert. I'm pure German. I'm task-oriented. And sometimes I struggle opening my heart to people. I'm also the adult child of an alcoholic, so we have real issues with opening our hearts up to people. But I have found time and time again, one of the most critical things I have to do is open my heart to people. Because when people see the leader's heart, that's when the trust really shoots up. And once they begin to really trust you, then they and the more they know you, the more they understand your motive. I have been criticized for wrong motives when people thought, uh, like when I when we built our building, that for some reason I was building a monument to myself. They didn't understand my heart, and when they finally understood my heart, they realized. I was doing this for all of our good. This was not about my own ego. So whenever possible, let people see your heart. Well, the leadership quote for the show today is from Robert Jarvik, the inventor of the artificial heart. 
who said that leaders are visionaries with a poorly developed sense of fear and no concept of the odds against them. My leadership book recommendation of the show is my own book, The Top 10 Leadership Commandments, Chapter 4, which is entitled, Thou Shall Be Opposed, Resisted, and Misunderstood. I found that people that read that book, just about everybody says, that's my favorite chapter. Now, why would people say that? Because people are opposed, resisted, and misunderstood. Hey, thanks so much for listening today. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. Please send me your leadership questions that I can answer on a future podcast. And I would love to have you sign up for my email updates at leadershipanswerman.com. Remember that every follower needs a healthy leader. Keep listening and learning and go out there and make a difference with your leadership.